0: Hi there, we're here with uh, Tony Lewis, who is with Drag Daddy Productions and also AV Club. Uh, Tony is joining us for uh, our conversation series about uh, what it's like to be in the arts in a virtual setting. So thank you for joining me today, Tony. Thanks so much, it's great to be here, Mike. So can you tell me a little bit about AV Club and Drag Daddy Productions?
1: Sure. Yeah, so um, my husband and I run a small um, AV providing business. We support um, mainly corporate events, but we also do award shows. We do um, some concerts and whatnot. So we provide the actual uh, manpower to support those events, connect all the wires backstage and make sure everything's plugged in right. Um, So that's definitely uh, the more lucrative of our uh, ventures in life. And then we also uh, uh, in the past year have formed um, a production company called Drag Daddy Productions that is a uh, production company solely focused on producing works with a strong um, drag influence or alternative storytelling to uh, tales that you might not expect to see drag queens normally be a part of. Um, so um, the uh, that was formed uh, just at the beginning of the year and then our uh, ambitious production season for our first season kind of took a bit of a nosedive in the past few months.
0: Yeah, a lot of people's plans have been put on hold. Uh, so Drag Daddy is, uh, brought us such classics as Snow White and the Seven Drag Queens.
1: Correct, so yes, I, uh, I lived in Chicago for about 19 years. Um, I went to college there and then after um, graduating college, I, I formed a production company there called Mid-Tangent Productions where um, that's the company that first produced Snow White and the Seven Dry Queens, as well as produced uh, some queer interpretations of Midsummer Night's Dream, of Hamlet. Uh, Alex in Wonderland was another one of ours. So we've done a lot of uh, alternative storytelling. So when I moved back to Louisville uh, in 2018, I wanted to uh, share those stories here in Louisville because the theater scene is amazing. And there are a lot of um, untapped resources and, and untapped audience uh, who uh, would love to see that kind of content. Um, So we started partnering with, uh, with play uh, dance bar uh, in Butchertown. And it's been great working with Micah and the management team there. I mean, they're such a vital resource to our community as far as, you know, saying, you got an event, I got a space for you, you know, so. um, Uh, props to props to them and and also hoping uh, they get their uh, get to open to some sort of capacity at some point you know with all this going on
0: so i think a lot of people are more aware of this now but still don't necessarily realize uh you know how much art there is involved in drag how much how talented these performers are that it's not just lip syncing there's a whole lot more to it um, and a lot of these performers are very very talented very versatile um And this is really, you know, this, and this is their career, and it's quite a, I don't want to say industry. I mean, that, you know, sort of robs it of its artistry, but it's a, it's a big field, right? Well, it's, yeah,
1: it's very interesting. Um, I don't want to say all drag queens come from theater, but a lot of them do. Um, And I find that even the ones that don't, are hungry to take what they do with their drag and turn it into theater. Um, And I I think there's just, you know, surprisingly with as performative as drag is, it is still kind of what you're saying, Mike, it's this industry and it's, there's this kind of weird wall between art and drag when they're so much the same thing. Um, So that's kind of where I've always liked to uh, keep my theater writing and creating and adapting because they are just the best storytellers of our communities. I mean, they've been the ones who, I'm gonna roughly quote Sasha Velour here. She once said, they're the people who uh, made the stories happen, who remember them and then who tell them later. So um, I I want to give proper uh, props uh, to Sasha because she did say that, but I think that's so true about the artistry uh, that drag brings to our community. And we forget about it because they're, they're dancing on Pride Floats or they're doing death drops to a Beyoncé song, or there's all these tropes that are very uh, cliché, when I think a lot of them, I know from experience, when they get the opportunity to take all that craft but apply it into a theatrical setting, uh, they love it. Now, what they don't love is showing up on time for rehearsal calls or answering emails or doing all those things that you usually ask actors to do. So that is the
0: tough part. It's a very different culture. Uh, I think I think there's a challenge here, and this is with a lot of art forms that people have an expectation of what they're going to see when they go see drag. And so, if somebody's doing something that is more artistic and is outside of that, then they get you know uh, a bad reaction from the audience, or the audience is not as interested. You know, they kind of have their idea of what they want to see, and that's that's what they're expecting. Yeah, you know, it's it's
1: interesting. You know, selling um, subversive drag theater. Um, in settings where um, people are used to showing up with their handful of singles and, you know, it being very interactive. And you have to um, train uh, an, an audience on how to watch a show like Snow White and the Seven Drag Queens. Because you, you, you have to say, you know, I've gone on stage before many of the performances and say, we're so glad you're here. You can see all the performers after the show, but please don't tip them because they're, they're, you know, in the moment, you know, it's it's a show called "Snow." White and some drag queens, but these drag queens take it very seriously. It's so amazing how seriously they take it. They they use their, like I said, so many of them come from theater, and they don't often get to flex that muscle of their training. But that's there. That training doesn't go away. And when they get invested into it, it's truly a beautiful thing to see. To see people who, you know, I, I watched last weekend, you know, do three somersaults across the stage to make that extra coin but then are like crying after a rehearsal because it affected them that much so it's cool to to see people really come out of their shells who are always out of their shell as it seems but not in that kind of way in a vulnerability kind of way.
0: So obviously COVID-19 has put all performances all events on hold Uh, that's got to have a you know a major impact on you and, and your production company are you all looking at any events yet or is this just are we in like a holding pattern
1: sure you know so we had a um the last show we did was on march 6th at play it was a, a cabaret called divas duets and it was a promotional event as well to for our april 11th production of snow white and Seven drag queens derby edition we had i you know rewritten the show to be featured at derby time there was such clever rewrites as talk derby to me and uh um party in the bluegrass state i mean we had the thing ready and then we um we we knew it wasn't going to happen so i immediately you know this was in march i i contacted um management at play and i was like hey I need to get another date. I, I, this isn't gonna happen. I don't, this was when I just said, I don't think it's gonna happen. We didn't even know at this point. This was just before Broadway closed down till, only to like April 10th at that point. Um, so I contacted them and I said, how about August 1st? And this was before the Kentucky Derby was rescheduled too, but I was just like, let's just get another date on the calendar. Um, so that date sits there. Um, to my knowledge, um, there's still, no i think bar capacity can begin at a lower capacity in july is the plan uh from governor andy so um and even then i mean it's it's i've been trying to wrap my head around the reality of it i mean do you you know limit capacity to 100 seats and then it's, it's a matter of well can i you know pay all my actors and and make ends meet for the production company if i only sell 100 seats to the show and does everyone wear masks you require everyone to wear masks I mean, you know, play—that is a thrust stage, and actors spit. You know, it's just like, what do you have a an eight foot, you know, barrier between the first row of seats and the stage? I mean, these are all things that I've legitimately thought about. Would people show up to a theater show if all of the actors were wearing masks? You know, these are like legitimate things I'm asking myself. But it's it's, a it's 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 going to be dictated by what you know opens up by the uh, by the state and and the city, but. I just, it's, it's a scary thing for me as a producer of an event um, to think about um, creating an environment where something could easily spread. It's a very uh, legitimate concern I have. So um, the date is there, you know, and then we have four, I'm um, sorry, six dates in um, August for a queer version of Midsummer Night's Dream that we plan to produce this year. Um, so it's, 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 um, it's a bit unknown. I wish I could be more optimistic about the reality of it and the reality of that August first date. I, I, I'm not as optimistic as I'd like. to be.
0: So can you tell me a little bit about what you are doing in the meantime, because, you know, August, even if, if, if we're hoping for August, that still is more than two months away. So, um, are you just sitting on your thumbs until then, or do you have some other projects? Well, you
1: know, um, I am not uh, one who does well with idle time, so since all this has uh, gone down, I have started a book club, I started a small uh, landscaping business, Um, we've started to produce some digital content for some of our corporate clients, Um, so that's been a great you know, learning how to do what we do in a ballroom or a convention center out of our second floor of our house, you know, and, and what, what what does that mean as far as, you know, what kind of power do we need? What kind of uh, internet line we need, you know, like we need business uh, speed gigabit internet to support these kind of things. So we've been transforming how we do us as a V Club, but, um, and, and, you know, honestly, after Snow White, uh had to get rescheduled from april i was kind of just down about theater for a minute and it was just kind of like you know i did, the the prospects forward looked grim then and they they still don't look that much better now but what happened was is my um my niece she um was a senior this year at um assumption high school and they instead of canceling their uh production of a midsummer night's dream that was their her final production they decided to call it a Midsummer Night's Stream, and they produced it digitally. And, you know, there's some backstory there. I I love Midsummer Night's Stream. I actually performed it as a senior at Assumption High School myself when I went to St. Max. So there's like this whole like, you know, full circle great thing for me and my niece. Um, So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll tune in and watch this. And I tuned in and thought I would watch till they got to the fairy kingdom and i'll be like oh yeah i'll tell her i went and you know checked it out but i was like so into it because it was surprisingly engaging theater you know watching these people in little brady bunch boxes talk to each other and have some spatial relation and pass props between the 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 you know fourth wall as it were i mean it was very um very engaging and and it inspired me so i said you know what you know we can't do what we would be producing in theaters right now. I can't be in rehearsals with all of the, you know, new cast of Snow White and the Seven Drag Queens, but I can, you know, see who might be into an idea like this. So I literally just posted something on Facebook. It was like, hey, who would be interested in doing this idea? And I got such a great response and, the response I got was from all over the country. It was, uh, you know, some of these people are equity actors who are out of work and, you know, doing a free online stream is, you know, nothing to to upset any, uh, ruffle any feathers in that regard. So um, some people who I know from college, who I haven't seen maybe in 15 years, you know, so um, the response was great and um, we've, been uh, doing rehearsals. So yeah, so the project that uh, I wasn't going to do Midsummer Night's Dream because that's what they just did. And I like I said, I have another uh, version of that I'm working on. But Romeo and Juliet uh, seemed a very good choice because I wanted something that was very accessible um, to an audience. Uh, so it needed to be a familiar story. And um, I worked on trimming it down, trimming down a bit of the extra Shakespearean fat, as it were. Uh, so it's a pretty streamlined, uh, quick production of it. And yeah, we've been in rehearsals now for a couple weeks, all using Zoom, and um, I'm using the knowledge that I built from producing for our corporate clients for these online you know, award shows and whatnot, and integrating that into drag Daddy. So um, it's been a busy May, I'll say that. But uh, it, but it's been uh, it's been really good for uh, for for me as a technical uh, creator
0: as well as a theatrical creator. Do you have other projects planned uh, after this one, or I'm tr- I'm trying to get through Sunday. Um,
1: <laughs> but um, the reason that I a light bulb kind of went off too to produce Romeo and Juliet, and moreover, Shakespeare is because it's public domain. Um, You know, in this world of producing um, post-COVID digitally, or um, currently COVID digitally, uh, I wish it was post, um, producing right now, as you've, I I know we've talked about running into copyright is an issue, but there is this huge uh, world of theater that is open to anybody who wants to be as creative as hell with it and create some stuff, so um i, I, I definitely I, I hope we have a good response uh to to the stream and then um i definitely want to think about other ways to produce uh maybe something greek you know i'd love to do uh so although i i might want to steer clear of another tragedy maybe we should do something a bit brighter after romeo and juliet it it, it does get a bit dark
0: there is a play <laughs> there is a plague in romeo and juliet too you know there's some yes. reference to that i think you know we're, i think we want to avoid some of those yeah problems. yeah <laughs> um and then are you uh, you know you have a lot of queens involved in this um have you been seeing any of the stuff they've been doing I think there's been a lot of uh people using live streaming and things like that to to continue to perform both for their audience and for them I think a lot of you know for a lot of performers to be cooped up inside with no one to interact with is is just terrible so you you know there's a there's a need to perform
1: yeah I mean that's the thing with with art is you just, as cliche as it may sound, you really just can't keep artists from producing. You can't keep art down. So, you know, I think um, like me, uh, when like the Snow White initially got uh, rescheduled, I was kind of down about it and about, you know, the prospects of what the future looked like for performance. And I think a lot of drag uh, queens felt that way too and performers all over, but there was just, you know, that doesn't. You, you can stop the outlet to which they have to perform it, but you can't stop creativity. I mean, these drag queens are some of the most creative people in the world. The stuff they come up with, the concepts they come up with, the way they create stuff on a you know shoestring budget. Um, so you, that's not an energy that all of a sudden you're shutting down or you're 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 sheltering that energy in place. No, that that energy doesn't shelter in place. It it needs to to be somewhere. So. Um, I I think that what I've seen come out of um, a lot of people producing drag right now is just phenomenal. People are, you know, they started with, you know, just a sheet behind them and now they're doing full green screen performances. Um, They're bringing in people not only from around the country but from around the world. Um, They're finding creative ways to get around copyright issues by using technology in different ways, streaming on different platforms. Um, and, and, you know, the uh, Romeo and Juliet were doing is an all-free event, and that's where we wanted it to live. And I told everyone who got involved, like, hey, this is for fun. You know, there's there's no budget here. But I have started to see some, uh, like, in Chicago, Roscoe's. They have, like, their watch party now for RuPaul's Drag Race on Friday nights, and they're charging, like, a $5 cover. And it's to help pay the talent and whatnot. So I think there is... Uh, a place for that, like I said, this is we're producing. You know, royalty free Shakespeare. So you know, we want as much many people to watch as who will actually watch. But um, as far as where it goes, as far as what you can charge for digital performance, and um, you know, I, I mean, the same way that drag queens don't get their worth in the real world, and they have to work their ass for a, a handful of singles, uh, they're they're trying to. To do the same thing on 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 a digital platform. So if you know a drag queen, you know, hit up their Venmo. If you go, if you watch their show, if you if you're like, wow, that looks really cool. Well, just know it took a lot to get it that mm-hmm. cool, especially nowadays when resources aren't as easy to get to. These these gals can't go to Michael's. They can't. They've got to like really be creative and not be in the same dress, you know, in five different videos. Or if they are, they make it look like it's not the same dress in five different videos. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I think what the drag community is creating through all this is, is pretty phenomenal. But I know, you know, like, like them, I, I just, you know, having a room full of people waiting to watch uh, something that me and a group of actors has worked so hard to put onto a stage is, I, I can't think of a much better feeling. Like, I get goosebumps thinking about it. So that's something we're all missing. You know what I mean? Like, this is this is really cool. You know, I I was working on the Romeo and Juliet, like, underscoring, and I was getting a little misty-eyed last night. Um, I may have had a couple cocktails, too, but, you know, um, but I was, you know, it's 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 great that it still can be that emotionally affecting, but there's nothing that can really replace that live theater experience, but but we're working on it.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's definitely there's definitely something that happens when everybody's in the room together, and that energy's not there. But it is it's really exciting to see the way that people are being really creative in adversity. You know, coming uh, overcoming this struggle. So thank you very much, Tony, for joining me today to talk about uh, what it's like to be in the arts and in the event industry in a virtual setting, and hopefully we'll be moving out of that virtual setting before too much longer and, but maybe taking some lessons with us. So thank you very much for joining me today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And if uh, your audience, you know, if they want to watch Romeo and Juliet after the fact, uh, because it is a copyright free stream and all the content is copyright free, it'll be on the uh, Drag Daddy Productions Facebook page after, and you know, it, it'll, it'll kind of live there. Um, so if you guys want to check it out, uh, you just go to uh the Drag Daddy uh, Productions page on Facebook and and check out what we created because we're really proud of it. Yeah, thanks, will be sure to share that. Thank you. Awesome. Take
0: care. Well, thank you for joining me today, Victoria, to talk about uh, arts in a virtual setting and what that's done uh, for you and for people you know as a drag performer and as a DJ. Um, so thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. And can you tell me a little bit about, uh, before all this happened, you know, January, February, what was your career like? What was an average week
2: or a month like for you? I worked Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, (laughs) and I was booked all the way into next year.
0: Wow. (laughs) Uh, you are, uh, at, you know, you're really at the top of the, of the pinnacle of your career here in Louisville, I think is, is not too much of an overstatement. Um, so is that, is that typical for people to be able to be, to have that much work or are some of your colleagues,
2: um, working less often than that? I don't know. I mean, I can't say, I can't speak for other people, but I mean, I have an insane drive to work as much as I can. And just for me, I think my life works better if it's planned out it keeps me structured, it keeps me busy, it keeps me out of trouble. <laughs> and um, I know that for some performers, uh, I know that there, there are bookings in advance. I don't know if they're booked a year in advance, but I know it, some girls have to be book, booked at least four or five months in advance.
0: How long have, has that always been the case for your career? That I mean, have there been times when you weren't working five days a week, five, six, 12
2: months in advance? Um, I've been pretty regular. Um, I've had uh, resident DJ spots in Cincinnati and in Louisville. Um, I've worked at Chill Bar for six years, the whole entire time they've been open. I worked at Nowhere Bar for five and a half years. Um, I've been an employee at Big Bar on and off as a DJ. Um, So um, I I keep busy. (laughs)
0: Absolutely. Uh, so your income, your you know, the vast majority of your income comes from performing.
2: Is that correct? Oh yeah. From DJing. I mean, uh, when you go from I know you, work, had de-
0: you had a day job at one point,
2: but. I did. And I worked a whole year and a whole year and three weeks, <laughs> but my DJ business was picking up and uh, through that whole entire year of working for uh, my financing I was working, I was DJing every single night and getting up and going to work the next day.
0: (laughs) Better you than me. Um, So I can't stay up past like 9 p.m. Uh, So so COVID has brought everything to a halt and that's brought your career and your artistry and your income to a dead halt. Is that correct?
2: Pretty much.
0: (laughs) And that's the case for a lot of people.
2: Uh, especially uh, not just performers, but bartenders and you know uh, bar owners. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty much killed it all.
0: And for for drag performers, uh, at least here in Louisville, most of the people, if not all the people that we see up on stage, I mean, is that a a significant source of income for them, or is that something they do on the side as a hobby?
2: Uh, uh, f- impersonation is um, it's an occupation. Uh, I mean, most of the girls, especially, especially here in Louisville, most of the girls that I know here that work at play work Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, however, that's broken down. Now for some girls, it's a second job, but for most of them, it's a primary job. And when you're a performer, I mean, you have to live it. I mean, you're getting your costumes together. You're getting your hair together. You're getting, you know, uh, your, uh, whatever your concept is together for the week. I mean, you're pretty much living it. So, you know, you if you're working, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, Monday and Tuesday are your days to get everything else together. So I, I think for a lot of the girls, it's the same situation that most everybody in this industry is in. Uh, hopefully you, you had some savings or you're in a situation where you're in a two income home, if your partner has a job, um, I'm, I'm sure it's stressful for a lot of people.
0: And yeah, a lot of people, and so as a career, you're, you're putting a lot of money out, buying the costumes and things, all that, You know, that's
2: all things that people are paying for out of pocket, right? Yeah, and consider that, you know before we even knew that this was gonna go on, think of all of the, the finances that have gone out the door for things that you bought, before you know, uh, COVID nineteen popped
0: up, and you know, maybe I don't know if this is a question you can answer or not. But for an a typical performer on a typical night, and I know there's no typical drag queens, um, you know, what 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 might they be making on a night like you know?
2: I mean, you really can't speak to somebody else's pocket, so I mean, I don't know what I don't know what the going rate. For tips are these days because you know, I don't perform in the manner that I used to, so I perform every now and then. So, for me, the tips are nice because people haven't seen me perform in a while, so it usually works out for me because I don't perform as much. Uh, I guess you would really have to ask someone who does that's clearly their occupation. Mm-hmm. And
0: we may, yeah, we may have some more of those conversations as we continue this, um, but it's not, I mean, people are, are operating a pretty thin profit margin.
2: Oh my God. I mean, if none at all, I have not, I'm still in the queue for unemployment.
0: And I wanted to ask about that. So for DJs, performers, bartenders, a lot of folks like that, are they, a, are you all able to get unemployment and are you able to get a, you know, what you should be getting because with such a cash-based tip-based Uh, a gig-type job, I don't know what, you know, if people are getting what they should.
2: Um, I'm going to say no, (laughs) because I mean, I mean, you're working at a bar, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and depending on where you work and how long you've worked, your finances are built on that and your clientele. Uh, With unemployment, we've been allowed to get it. I know some people in my industry that have already gotten it, but apparently I haven't, (laughs) and I'm in a queue, you can call all you want, They'll, it recognizes your phone number and it tells you that you're in a queue and they will call you. And I applied for it uh, at the beginning of April. So uh, lucky for me, um, I've been able to you know, use my savings and the little bit of money that I'm making through uh, my live Facebook shows and my work with Louisville Pride.
0: And I know you got your stimulus check because you posted
2: to that. So so funny. It had been in my mailbox all week long (laughs) because there was a spectrum cable bill. And I just rolled my eyes at it and kept walking by it. And finally Sunday, I was like, maybe I should go get the mail out. And I got (laughs) the mail out and it it had been in there all week.
0: Nice. I'm still waiting on mine. I don't know what, what the story is. Um, So uh, uh, tell me a little bit about the work that you're doing uh, with the live shows, the DJing um, and drag and things like that.
2: All right. So um, as soon as I knew that we were going to be locked in the house, I I instantly went into, you know, how am I going to pay my bills mode? And so I started with, uh, I did a a couple of drag shows on Facebook Live. And then I just kind of realized that, Uh, That took more time and more thought than I wanted to do, and it was a lot of work putting it on the way that I put it on by myself in this house. And so about the second or third one, I was like, you know, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to just DJ. It's what I love to do, and I think that that would bring some sort of joy and normalcy to, you know, people who were used to going out and people who love to hear what I'm doing. So um, I do a a wild Wednesday show. I do a Friday night dance party and I do Sunday fun day. Um, The Friday show is at nine o'clock. The Wednesday show is at eight o'clock and the Sunday show is at 3 p.m. And I'm doing that one week at my house and then one week on the Bell of Louisville.
0: Which is another uh, place that's been closed and is, is definitely suffering from all yeah. of this. Um, so how how have those been going? Are people tuning in and watching them? Are you getting a good reception?
2: Yeah, I think that it's, I mean, people tell me all the time that they're thankful that they get a little bit of time out of their day to not think about being stuck in the house. Um, I pretty much know my, I know who my viewers are. So I know what kind of music they like. Um, I've been basically doing a lot of throwbacks and like super current like dance music. But on Wednesday night, I do do a lot of top 40, you know, radio and hip hop.
0: How do people watch it if they want to?
2: They watch it on Facebook live. Um, and uh, for me, uh, I'm fighting copyright uh, every time I play. Uh, I, mostly when most of my disputes, the only disputes I have not won for copyright have been through Sony music. They are absolutely horrible, but um, you know, it's, I'm thankful that at least I get to, you know, do that.
0: Mm-hmm. And are you on, are you on Twitch or anything else like that or?
2: I have Twitch. I also have, um, I also have a Mixcloud account, uh, but I'm, there's something going on with my browser and I obviously have to change it in order for my video camera on my computer to work for it. So it doesn't work on my phone as well as I like it to.
0: And do you know, are, so are other people doing the same thing or are we, uh, is the market getting saturated or is there enough variety out there for everybody?
2: Uh, I think the market is saturated, but you, what I'm doing is I know the nights that work for me I also know the night that work, the nights that work for the, the clientele that I have and, and the viewers. So I don't typically don't do anything on Saturday because Saturday is when the internet is just full of people, you know, creating content. Whether yeah. it's uh, Shane who does his thing, or there's uh, J.K. K Dog who does his thing, and then DJ Stingy who does his thing. Uh, S. Dot, uh, DJ Stacy Broadway. There's so many people who are, you know, creating content. So, out of just wanting to make sure that, you know, I share other people's videos, I support other people, I think Saturday is just a nice night to retire from it all.
0: So, I want to switch gears here a little bit and talk about the other project that uh, we've been working on, uh, which uh, started as the UAW local 862 drag show and is now becoming uh, the Republic Bank Queens in Quarantine variety show. Uh, so yep. can you tell, tell us a little bit about that?
2: All right, so the UAW drag show was more drag-based, more video and, and effects. Uh, the Queens in Quarantine show will be uh, me and Leah Halston Uh, We're going to do some interviews. Uh, We're going to have some special segments. Uh, This is uh, just another way to reach the community and and, and show another aspect of people who are tuning in.
0: Awesome. Is it a lot of work to put those together? (laughs) You know, it's a whole lot of work. (laughs) I I usually know the answer to the question before I ask it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think um, there are different degrees of, how artists are dealing with, uh, you know, COVID-19. Uh, I live alone, so um, I'm used to being by myself. Uh, it can be a little taxing at times because I, I live here alone and I can hear everything in this building. You but, have um,
0: a neighbor that oh, is a little honey, bit noisy, if I ever remember correctly. <laughs>
2: They are insane but they would they probably would tell you that I'm insane because my life is music based and I play a lot of music um, but yeah um I instantly you know jumped into work mode but I know that from some artists and some uh, creators this is a tough time you know trying to figure out how to get your how to get your point of view across in the digital age, how to connect to people online. Some people had, I mean, myself included. i would never done a Facebook Live up until COVID-19. So I just had to to tell myself, this is what I'm doing. This is how we're creating it. And you know, it's trial and error. You figure out what works uh, and you find a way, especially when you're doing this in, in the digital age, you're, you know, you're, you're asking people to tip you, you're asking you know, people to you know, help you out during this tough time, but you really have to find a way to give something back to them. So Wednesday nights, I typically do not put up a Cash App or Venmo, it's just the music. And Friday and Sunday, I will put the Venmo up. I don't make it an issue about who tips me or not. And I also, as soon as my shows are over, I post the audio from the show directly to my Facebook page. So for people who missed it or don't wanna hear me talking, they have the audio.
0: So uh, I can't imagine anyone who wouldn't wanna hear you talk. Um, so what, what's it like to perform in your living room to a computer screen or a
2: web uh, camera? It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think Leah Hoffman said it best. It's weird with no applause. <laughs> yeah. And, but I mean, you get used to it. I mean, uh, I think being able to adapt in any situation in life is what gets you through. And I just know how to adapt quickly. Awesome. And hopefully others will be able to ad- adapt as quick.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been really impressed with the videos we've had uh, as part of the series. Some of the, performers, some of the Queens and Kings who've been very creative in what they've put together. And I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, what that's gonna look like in the uh, Queens in quarantine. Uh, but yeah, it's, I mean, that's one of the things we're, we're finding with a lot, you know, talking with a lot of people is, you know, the audience is such an important part of any performance, even if they're not, you know, even if, it's, if they're being quiet, it's just, there's an energy that's there with other people in the room that's not there
2: when you're just by yourself. I I think um, people are at home and I know that we've been trying to make sure that we keep it family friendly, that we keep it fun. Um, I just think that this Queens in Quarantine is just a a, a new way to show a different part of the entertainment community. And you'll be able to get to know uh, bar owners, you know, uh, a performance that you may not have met before. And you also get to you know, see uh, two seasoned performers uh, banter back and forth you know, about how we're dealing in this uh, COVID-19 situation.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Um, well, thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, anything you wanna say before we uh, leave?
2: Yes, um, we hope that you join us for The Queens in Quarantine. It is a different show than uh, the digital drag show. So we wanna make sure that you know that it's going to be uh, segment heavy, but it's gonna be, uh, you know, it's chapter two of our Digital Pride and chapter three will be different. And each time we do something, it'll be a different format, but we hope that you will uh, join us and, and stay engaged.
0: I was telling somebody the other day we've taken a kitchen sink approach to digital pride and just kind of throwing everything out there that we can and, uh, and tweaking it and adjusting it as we go to, to try and meet people's needs um, and you know some of it'll stick and some of it won't
2: yeah, I mean you, it's, it's trial and error, and um, uh, my advice to anybody out there who is a performer or a DJ uh, you know do get just Pick up your camera, do something fun, and just see where, you, where it goes. I mean, you won't know till you try.
0: Yeah, yeah. Do you have any special equipment that you had to get for this, or are you just doing it with what you had?
2: Okay, so um, I have lights and DJ equipment from my DJ business, so I was lucky enough to have those things available when this happened. Uh, I bought my ring light five, six months ago, and it sat in my closet for that long. Um, and I pulled it out and started figuring out how to use it during this situation.
0: Well, it looks, it looks very effective. I still, I still haven't mastered
2: mine. But, well, uh, I think that, you know, you just gotta pull your desk out, set it up. I mean, um, I've learned a lot about this ring light and, and video and editing during this situation.
0: You you can't be afraid to see yourself and hear your own voice. That's, you know, you have to get over that really quickly. Oh yeah, I hate my voice.
2: Absolutely hate my voice, but um, it's a part of my job. And I don't, for the most part, I will go back and look over content, but I don't watch it all the way through. (laughs) I think everybody's that same
0: way, but you just kind of have to get over that and then put yourself out there. So thank you very much, Victoria, for joining us. And I look forward to seeing you on uh, Saturday night at nine o'clock. Is that correct? Yes. Nine o'clock for Queens in Quarantine.
2: Yes. Sponsored by Republic Banks.
0: Yes. Thank you very much. And we'll be back next time.
2: Bye, everybody.